0: Hello there, it's Carmel Jane and welcome to the Carmel Jane Talks Business Podcast. Today we've got our first man on the podcast, it's Rupert Miles and he is an expert in sales training. He has a has a whole work history of sales and now he works for Sander Tra- Sales and he's going to give us top tips on how to overcome the fear of sales, how to make it fun and how to make it fruitful. Um, not only that, listen in really carefully because he is giving away a prize worth £9,600 a whole year of top sales training. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform um, so more people can hear about us. It's Carmel Jane on Carmel Jane Talks Sorry about the few technical pitches we had at the top of the hour. Um, we're back here now. We're all, we're all go, ready to go. And um, The wonderful Michelle Ward helped me out. A big thank you to Michelle, so today it's all about sales, and I have the very charming and wonderful Rupert Miles in the studio with me from Stand the Training. Welcome, Rupert. Hello. <laughs> a lovely voice. He's got I'm a lovely voice. Um, no wonder he's in sales. and um, Rupert's been involved in sales, I won't say for years and years, because I won't it's want true. to give away his it's age. True. But it's for a very true. long time. Yep. How did you start out in sales, Rupert?
1: Oh, it was a complete disaster. <laughs> uh, we go. So there I was, trucking along towards some kind of career, and I was in my second year at Cambridge thinking that the glittering prizes were presenting themselves, and then I got chucked up. It's you a ch- long story, <laughs> by the way, which I won't bore you with now. I'm it sure it was a good story, but let's
0: talk about dodgy. sales. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So I ended up uh, having to eat, really, in those days, and people can barely remember this. You got a grant, uh, not only for tuition, Mm -hmm. but you also got a grant to live happy days. They had good
0: old days. And
1: so suddenly there I was, uh, completely well, anywhere to live, uh, no ability to do anything and no no money. Uh, So I went to London, got myself a job, and it was, um, it's going to sound horrendous. I actually quite liked it. They gave you a script. And they said, read this script to as many cold calls as you can between nine and five o'clock in the afternoon. That's a tough job. Yep. yep, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I lasted three or four months and I didn't starve, so it's good. But I managed to use that to kind of uh, blag my way into the Cambridge news. So I went back to Cambridge and uh, got myself a job. But uh, that job was face-to-face sales. So that's when it started beginning to lift up for me.
0: So how did you learn to be a salesperson? Or was it just a bit of charm and good
1: luck? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of luck. Um, It is something you can learn to do well. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that later. Um, I was lucky. I've always worked for organisations that invested in training me. But a lot of the people I work with now, they've kind of learnt sales by watching. Mm -hmm. And they have, as we'll talk about uh, in the course of the programme, they've learnt how to do it the hard way.
0: Yeah, because there is that perception, isn't it, that sales is kind of tough and it's hunting and it, it's 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 about really sealing a deal. But actually, sales is a two-way thing, isn't it?
1: Completely. I mean, it's a, just a relationship. I, I describe it as a dysfunctional kind of communication between two people just trying to get to a mutually <laughs> agreed position. That's all it is. It's a good. You way know, of it can it. be really. Really adversarial.
0: So, you were, um, you managed to get a job on the Cambridge, Cambridge Evening News, but you yep. went on to, to bigger and brighter things, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was kind of ambitious, a bit of a young Turk. And so, after a couple of years when they wouldn't make me managing director, I decided I was going to leave. And <laughs> uh, so, I went to the Big Smoke and I got a job at the Guardian newspaper, which was my chosen read. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you still um, a Guardian reader? Y- yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, I remember too. <laughs> there was a letter that uh, appeared in the Guardian once. It was about the flat sharing column that we'd just launched that said, you know, I'm a Guardian reader, but I'd hate to share a flat with a Guardian reader, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a slightly kind of pejorative thing, certainly in those days. No, I, so I stayed at the Guardian for 10 years, but within three years I was running the ad sales team. So it was a kind of like a really lucky move and it just worked out really well you, for me.
0: You think it was a combination of the training, you were ambitious, but there must have been some really, you know, skill set there that you had naturally.
1: Uh, I was very lucky. Uh, to work for some incredibly impressive people. And in the context of this program, mm-hmm. and the context of what I'm going to be talking about later, towards the kind of scholarship I'm offering, um, uh, the two, the director I worked to and the manager I worked to, were both female. And it was the first chance I had to see how women in sales who were good at what they did mm-hmm. did it. Differently to the way I was taught, which was very adversarial. Uh, So I kind of kind of absorbed that by osmosis, largely, and I think by observation was a good way of learning. Uh, And as I said, they put me in charge of it, and it was it was a great launch to my career. So you know, ten years later, I decided to do my own thing. So. uh, yeah,
0: brilliant. So, because you were in, in newspaper and magazines as well, weren't yes. you? Are.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I stayed in newspaper for uh, for a couple of years. I launched a Sunday newspaper with a bunch of chums. Mm-hmm. We raised uh, in those. You yeah, launched a p- Sunday
0: newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which one was it? Okay, Sunday Correspondence. Oh, you've never heard of the no. Sunday Correspondence? Actually, that's the trouble. That's why it failed. anything. in nobody had heard of it. <laughs> no, it was, that's, like that's the that's it <laughs> yes. was like the Independent on Sunday. It was like the Independent on Sunday, and in fact, it was ahead of the Independent on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But the Independent on Sunday launched, and that kind of slightly scuppered our plans. But we raised about eighty million quid. as my first chance to get into private equity, you know, seed capital and all that kind of stuff. And it was good while it lasted. But when that folded, I went into magazine publishing and I landed on my pause as the publisher of Elle magazine. So the fashion magazine. Oh, very fabulous. So my job, fab um, <laughs> absolutely. Very well, fabulous. Well, it, was, it was probably back in the day too, wasn't oh, yeah, it? Oh, was, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no, Lynn Franks, who was the PR that um, uh, the programme was based um. on. Uh, I used to take her out <laughs> to wine and diner. I know exactly what the Back tr- in the good
0: old days when the <laughs> champagne flowed a bit more freely. Uh, it really was a bit more did. money,
1: yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> wasn't far off. And it was Rome, Milan, Paris. I mean, it was a terrible job really, you know, oh, just amazing. bouncing around the fashion shows, yeah. But I lasted there for about 18 months because uh, it was just one magazine, but I moved into another publisher, which did a load more magazines. I ended up at Bizarrely uh, as the publisher of Radio Times. And that was a fabulous job. I mean, huge magazine, very profitable. Um, but that's when I had my first proper big break. So the rest of it was Purely accidental.
0: Oh, yeah! You can't you can't see him because it's radio. He's quite a charming looking man as our Rupert. I'm sure he yeah, did it right. with lots of charm and twink, twinkly way. blue eyes, <laughs> and and obviously a lot of skill. And you you were really lucky that you you had yeah. good people to learn off and good training. Yeah, yeah, very much so. so um, radio Times, and yeah. then what happened?
1: Well, uh, so the internet happened.
0: Mm, oh yeah, Radio Times took a big hit on that, didn't they?
1: Well. It, uh, it worried me at the time because, and we're talking about before anybody had heard of the World Wide Web, this is 1995, but I'd, and once again, another boring story to own detail, but I'd got really into the internet through American friends in about 1994. Nobody in the UK knew anything about mm. it. And so I thought, Radio Times, they're, they're just going to lose their shirt on it. So I got really into it from a business point of view. But then the BBC decided they wanted to launch their own site. So in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yes. Sir. And I was the one-eyed. <laughs> Man. Well done, because I had a whole six or seven months' worth of experience of this stuff nobody had ever heard of. It's, it's, it's so, amazing to think about yeah. that,
0: that. It's so integral to our whole life, oh. the internet, and oh. yet, what well, so we're just, just over twenty years ago, that isn't ni- it? People had no concept of what it was going Absolutely. to be, did they?
1: I think I did. And actually, there are records of me doing the presentation because I was like kind of John the Baptist almost saying, Look, this is different. And they're all saying, Oh, don't be so stupid. It's just a direct mail medium. It's, you know, it's just another. It's oh, so not, not a People
0: really didn't think the internet was going to be. Oh, there.
1: no, they absolutely told me why give up a decent job like the Radio Times to run the BBC's online services, which is the job I got. God They you got look that back, You look back and you go, well, blindingly obvious. But it was blindingly obvious to me at the time. It really okay. was. So, you're yeah. so,
0: yeah, Prophetic.
1: <laughs> 20 years' time. What are I we going to do? <laughs> Again, I got lucky. What's going to happen 20 years' time? Who know? knows? I'll write it in an envelope. I'll let you know. I almost didn't
0: <laughs> think, think. Fantastic story. We're going to take a little break and we're going to be back with more. Um, it was going to start telling us about how we can get better at selling and make it fun. I'm in the studio today with the very charming Rupert Miles from Sander Training um, Essex. Oh, sorry, I'd better introduce who we are. Carmel Jane on Carmel Jane Talks Business on Phoenix FM. Rupert Miles has been telling us about his his, uh, very impressive career up through all the the media, Guardian and OWL magazine and um, how he got involved in the internet. And now he's with Sander Training, and they are experts on teaching people how to make sales uh, fun and fruitful. It doesn't have to be really adversary and, and things. How we it's just really teaching people how to get better at sales. So, Rupert, you must know a thing or two. You must have seen people sell. Um, where do you start with sales advice?
1: Okay, uh, so I think I went on my first proper sales training course about 40 years ago. And in those days, sales was taught in much the way that most people still do it to this day. So can I just see whether any of this this makes (laughs) any, see whether you recognize this as a sales process. Okay, you're a salesperson. So you make make an appointment to see someone, you kind of have that kind of connection and you ask lots of questions, sharing lots of open questions. And the answer, the the idea is to find out what the prospect's interested in. Hmm. Pique your curiosity. The moment you say, oh, tell me more about that, I go, bing, buying signal. Yeah. Remember the buying signal yeah. type stuff? What are you supposed to do with a buying signal? You start presenting mm. your solutions. This is what I can do to help you. I'm really good at X, Y, and Z. This is what yeah. I think yeah. sales training
0: would be about, you yeah.
1: Absolutely, and that's what I was trained in mm. for ages. Okay? It depends on about
0: how you solve their problems, isn't it? Absolutely. It, it should
1: taught. be. It should be. And um but do you know their problems? So you do the you do the pingy kind of thing, and I react like a Pavlovian dog and start mm. salivating at this prospect of being able to solve your problems. So I start resenting mad. Do you know what, Carmel? I can do that. My product does this. This does X, Y, and Z. What do you think? And you go, well, let me ask you a few questions. Here come the objections, mm-hmm. right? But you're trained. To overcome objections. You overcome objections. You've become summa cum laude experts at overcoming objections. I used to have about 50 objections. I could overcome every one in the
0: I, re- I have actually listened to a couple of those sales books, overcoming every Absolutely. possible objection. And yeah. they are very salesy, aren't stall they? Stall
1: after stall after stall after stall. And very, as we said earlier on, they are very adversarial, mm-hmm. right? So you're putting it up. I'm trying to knock it down, literally. Yeah. And then at the end of it, I go for the real close. I say, yes or no, whatever the close happens to be. And you go, I'll think about
0: it. You can't walk out
1: with an I think about it. No, you can't. But how often have you waited? I'll call you back on Tuesday. I've got to talk to the wife. I've got to talk to Mm -hmm. the CFO, whatever it happens to be. And then on Tuesday morning, does the phone ring? No it doesn't does it ring Wednesday somewhere around Thursday you think I better chase them up and then you get into this whole loop of chasing and chasing and sometimes eventually at the end of a tiring process the client might say uh-huh. yes but at the end of it possibly no so that actually is no good for the clients either it's bad for if, the salesman if
0: people try to sell to me and I might be interested but then I just to do the whole she's in a meeting and too busy so I don't yeah. want to make the decision
1: yeah and actually how engaged are you you showed some superficial hmm. interest, it was probably you being polite, actually, largely, <laughs> and then it came back. And, but the salesman thinks you're on the hook, and so they push and push and push and push and push. So the client actually, although the client's in charge of the process, right from the mm-hmm. get-go, actually the client doesn't necessarily get the end product they deserve. Because they've been playing this game with the salesman and they're so aware, you know, when we think of salespeople, we think of people, do we think of them as honest? Do we think of them as, you know, people we'd like to spend time with? No, we don't, (laughs) do we really? Not I actually quite like
0: being sold to, if it's being done well.
1: If it's done well, yeah. And, And that's the point. And actually, when I think about the kind of pain people go through and the stress they go through, both clients and prospects, that's where my story kicks in, which is what does Sandler do that's different and why do we do it?
0: Brilliant. So, what, what you describe is, is, I mean, I've done a little bit of sales training. I'm not a natural salesperson, actually. We talked off air, and I, I was saying, we do school photography. And I just don't know why schools don't come to us, because we're just so good. Our pictures are beautiful. And Rupert laughed, and he said, that's very entrepreneurial. just And I think it's a bit Dragon's Den, isn't it? Where you go and go, but we're just really good. You should give us your money. And actually, that's, you're saying, that's not how we set, that well, how we should
1: sound. Think, sell. think uh, of the psychology. If I say to you, I'm really impressive, think of her, um, forget sales for a moment.
0: Oh, can, I, just, can I just clarify? I don't yeah. literally say it like no, that. No.
1: <laughs> but if you were sat next to somebody at a dinner party and you were on the receiving end of somebody telling, trying to impress you, mm. telling how brilliant you were, How much fun is that going to be? I'll tell you, let's spin the tables. Next time you sat next to somebody at supper or dinner or whatever, you're having a chat, do one thing and one thing only. Only ask questions of them. Yes. don't you say anything about yourself at the end of that conversation they will come away from it and they will say what an interesting conversation Dale
0: <laughs> pure a it's pure to people, yeah. absolutely
1: and that's how it starts which is that sense of it's not about you you do brilliant photography I know I've seen it it's fantastic Thank you. Thank okay you. but the world doesn't beat a path to your doorstep because you invented the perfect mousetrap Okay. No. The world has to understand that they need the perfect mousetrap. And that starts with the relationship that you build with bonding and rapport. And we can talk about that later about how you go about doing that in a sounder way, which is much less stressful, much more comfortable for both clients and prospects.
0: Like sense. Why sounds- wouldn't <laughs> you want to do it? Well,
1: quite yeah. a pizza, interesting.
0: And I must admit, because I've got three saleswomen in my team, and yes. actually none of them are on commission because no. they're all about. we, we sort of talked about not making it to sales. Them, I'm interested to really see what top tips you'd be able to give them. Yeah, and they're not on commission because they're paid a really good basic. Because I want them. To be ambassadors for the company and yep. not to be not to be hunting down yep. the sale, and I think it yep. really does make a difference. I don't know what they do; they're all gorgeous and fabulous, and I think they charm everyone. And yes,
1: yes and use I'm a very sure.
0: kind of innate yeah. and natural sales yeah. way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but actually, none of them have really had sales training. I think they've had bits and pieces from other jobs. But mm, um, mm. but interesting because I, what you've just said is how I think you you. You, you answer their problems and you overcome objections
1: but um, well it starts it starts with uh, and it starts with the first contact it starts with the first phone call or the first meeting and everyone thinks you know we'll work out the relationship we go along it doesn't um, It starts with that first thing and it starts with the bonding and rapport that you set that expectation that actually salespeople have rights and how you deal with the clients is not to be all shiny I'm best I'm best I'm best because that, that mm-hmm. kicks it off to the wrong thing but say do you know what I've no idea. Whether what I do is any good for you? Well, how so many that, times do you hear that from a salesman? No, How'd not very ever. often. they're all ready to tell you how great you don't they are because you haven't asked the questions. Because I'm not going to assume anything about your business. I'm not going to. I'm going to assume I can fix things that I know nothing about until I've actually spent time with you. And I say that up front.
0: So that's would that be one of your opening gambits?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely, absolutely.
0: So it's all the sound of training is about turning that. So is it? Turning it around a little bit to, to what you do. It's to. what
1: I call disarming honesty. And it has to be honest. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a trick. Okay. So somebody says, What what three things are good about what you do? And you start saying, We give great service, we give great value, and you know, we've been in business for fifty years, you can trust us. How different does that sound from anyone else? It doesn't. Yeah. Broadly, everyone's gonna be saying the same thing. If you if you were asked as a Sandler trained person, what's special about what you offer, I'd say, Well, I don't know. I actually don't know because I don't know enough about your business. You give me some time with your business. I'll find out if there's anything that fits with what I do. If it's a no, you'll be happy for me to tell you. Because and then, it, then
0: I guess you set up that real honesty because it's...
1: It's, I think it's, it's, it's just disarming. Because it's brave you to know, walk away don't from. expect it. Yeah, Shiny Salesman doesn't on. do it. Shiny Salesman, <laughs> it's all about me, 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 and uh, off we go. And you as a natural kind of response is to is to back away from that. It's that kind of rather glib approach. It's the, the salesman in the car showroom. As they come towards you, you can feel yourself <laughs> kind of backing up. You kind of want to talk to that, that them.
0: swagger they yeah, walk yeah, over yeah, with. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Excellent, That's
0: we're going we to work. take a little break. We're going to come back with more top tips from Rupert. I'm Great. very intrigued on how we, we turn this around. Yep. My name's Carmel Jane, and this is the Carmel Jane Talks Business Show um, here on Phoenix FM every Wednesday from 1 till 3. And every week from 1 till 2, we have an expert in that's going to share some really, really great tips and advice on how to grow your business or make your business better. And today we've got Rupert Miles in from Sandra Training. Um, he is Run us through a bit through his his career. He's he's worked for the Guardian. He's worked for Elle magazine. He worked for Radio Times. He really really has been at the front end of sales. Uh, but now he works for Sandra Training and he teaches other people how to sell. So uh, be- before the break, we were talking um, Rupert about the traditional way of selling. And then and can you tell us a bit about? how that is and how how, what sander does different how you teach people to 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 sell differently
1: okay so the way i'd summarize traditional sales is that it's a little bit like throwing mud at a wall that if you throw enough ideas at a prospect one or two of the ideas might stick and then you grab hold of that so it's a kind of slightly random it requires a lot of energy actually how much better might it be if you actually approached a sales process First of all, as we talked about before the break, in terms of establishing the rapport. So you're not necessarily the answer to all their prayers. In Mm -hmm. fact, you may not be the answer at all. And you're prepared to tell them that mm-hmm. quickly save everybody a lot of time and you're quite happy for the prospect to say no to you as well because why would we want to waste a load of time thinking it over and running and chasing after people and being embarrassed and return the call so you start off with bonding and rapport but the whole the old style of selling is a bit like always be closing we talked about closing before mm-hmm. close 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 close. eventually you'll get there our style is always be questioning and qualifying ABQ, okay. Okay, right? Mm-hmm. So you're qualifying. I'm asking you, Carmel, questions about your business with a view to understand that business at a level which is beyond just surface. So a surface problem is I'm struggling to get enough school photographies uh, clients, mm-hmm. all right? That's a surface problem. Why? We go into the questioning. If there's something in that process that might involve me, mm-hmm. then I'll tell you. If not, I'll say, now. I'm afraid your problem lies elsewhere. I can't help you. And the rule, because we have these Sandler rules which help us capture these things, is that people buy initially with their emotions. Yes. Now, they have to be hooked in emotionally. They have to see a need for the service. If, if they don't see that need and you can't get them to see it and explain it to you, then this is never gonna happen. So the child in us says, I've got this problem, I want to solve it, you can do it, or it says, actually, I like that shiny new thing, I want it, help uh-huh. me get it, whatever the need happens to be. If you can talk to people in such a way that they trust you enough to open up to reveal that need, which sometimes they themselves don't know, and actually get to that point, then you're beginning a proper sales process. So, so that's what we're thinking about, is, is just qualify all the time, always ask questions, keep understanding.
0: So how, how is it different from asking the questions to be able to solve their problems? Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah, because it, okay. it feels a little bit... And, and you, know, you still have to get
1: to your end goal, you still have you to close you do. the sale and, and you do. make the most of it. Okay, so let me t- uh, so the close happens within the Sandler process as you go through the discussion. It's, there's no point at which you close the sale, because if you think about it, if I get to an agreement with you, and uh-huh. you're happy with this, and you have to be, that actually this is the real root of what you're trying to solve. This is the real problem you're trying to solve. Forget all the rest of the stuff. And actually I say to you, how much is that worth? How much effort are you going to put into doing it? And how much um, money or time will you devote to solving that? And we come to an agreement that roughly actually you're prepared to put in enough time or Mm -hmm. money to solve that problem. And actually there's a decision-making process that is explicit, no surprises at the end. Actually, by the time we've got to all of that, we've done, there's some money, there's some, uh, some importance attached to this. I'm willing to do something about it. This is a problem I need solved. I can see the benefit of doing it. Where's the close? Because all you have to do is summarise that and then it's well, what next? And they've all agreed, what you... next? Because everyone agrees. If you are ever then in one stage you, you haven't you said, right, there's no inclination. It's just, just uh, well, that's great. It's a no. And so, you get out of the system.
0: So a lot of my listeners are probably maybe yeah. starting out in business and yes. things. And so there's there's a lot of cold calling. I mean it, Yes. In fact, we do dance schools in schools, so it's pretty easy for us. We have a pretty finite market, we're very yep. niche, we know exactly who we're after. So I think that actually the smaller market of it makes it easier. Yeah. But what if it you know, for want of a better example, double glazing, you know, I mean, yeah. we're pretty much everyone's, everyone, a prospect.
1: everyone's a prospect. Or I call them suspects, actually, everyone's <laughs> a suspect. And what you have to do is find out whether they're a prospect and then you go through the process of become a client. So um, let's assume you're cold calling a prospect and let's put into action exactly that on a 30 second cold call, mm-hmm. and it goes like this, drink, 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 hi, Carmel here, hi, Carmel, it's Rupert Miles.
0: Hi, Rupert. Oh, no, I'd say, oh, hello.
1: Would you? (laughs) You I wouldn't say say, hi, Rupert, because you know Rupert, but let's assume you didn't know You would go, I know what you'd go, yeah. And you'd kind of, (laughs) there'd be a pause and a silence. An eyeball roll that you couldn't see. Exactly, (laughs) and you're going, what's all this? And I I would go, and here comes the disarming honesty. And when I train it, people squirm, but it works. Uh It goes, Carmel, this is a bit of a cold call. Okay. I, I'm sure I don't know you, and it doesn't sound like you know me, but give me 30 seconds. I'll tell you what it's about. If at the end of you, th- it, you think it's not worth discussing, fine, I, we'll, we'll just call straight off. If at the end of it is, we'll have a couple of minutes chat and take it from
0: there. You know, that is so good because I get people, call- we get, get a lot of calls through the office, and some of them do. My, my team have got better at, at
1: filtering, you know, filtering yep, them. Yep.
0: Um, but if people try and be too charming and oh. get giving conversation, I'm thinking, especially because, you know, we get, with all the different accents, you can kind of know that yep. they're not probably local and they don't know yep. who they are and they sound yep. young often. Yep. It's just really obvious. But actually, if someone was, and I am just I just go, what are you selling? And they keep trying to be charming. I'm like, yep. What are you they selling? They won't tell you.
1: There's and no disarming they, honesty. No, no. no and, yeah. mm. and you so can so if spot they, it in the first words. They go, hello! Or something like that. <laughs> oh, you I go, don't... shiny salesperson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and actually, you've got no idea how long they're going to take. No idea what it's all about. They won't tell you largely. Oh. And that apparently is selling. It's not selling at all. I played a game, actually. I think
0: once I said six times. I'm really sorry, but what are you selling? <laughs> and they exactly. still just
1: wouldn't exactly.
0: wouldn't do that honesty thing, okay, which is so, so when important. you get a
1: Sander trained person, it won't happen. No, it like won't that. happen. You'll get straight to the point. <laughs> Thirty seconds, well crafted. It's got lots of what I call pain hooks in it. So these are the three things that we typically solve for our clients. If none of those are relevant to you, end a conversation. If one of two of them might be, you might be tempted to go and kind of find so, out more.
0: So it's a bit being really clear, isn't it? Saying I'm not yeah. going to take too much of your time. I'm not going to be the no, shiny be, Sorry, can you. I
1: interrupt? Mm-hmm. It's not too much of your time. It is, I will be 30 seconds, ah. no more. Absolutely explicit, just like a contract. I'm going to talk for 30 seconds. I'll tell you what I'm about, what you what you could be interested in. If you're not, I'll sign off.
0: You know what? I it's I simple
1: to, as that. I would listen to Everyone someone. does, I do hundreds of talks, And nobody's ever said no. Wow. Because it's so obvious. Now, why doesn't everybody do that? Well, they don't all go on Saturday training, but hey, listeners, have a go. If you're running a business, just do that. Just remember Rupert. So, just volume. the
0: opening line <laughs> is, can I
1: give you… Okay, so we'll run through it again. Okay, okay so drink, 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 Carmel. Okay. Hello, Carmel yeah. speaking. Okay. Uh, hi, it's Rupert Miles here. Uh, hello.
0: Uh, how can I help?
1: Uh, I'm guessing, Karma, from your reaction, you don't know me, and I'm pretty sure I don't know you, so that makes it a bit no. of a cold call, that's, what you have to be like precise <laughs> up front, do, do whatever, you, but just say what it is, because mm-hmm. there's no point in hiding it, you know it anyway. Give me 30 seconds, I'll tell you what it's about, if at the end of it you're not interested, fine, I'll sign off, is that okay?
0: Yeah, and then you can, so that's just that really simple...
1: Very simple. So
0: then so then you've got your 30 seconds, Yeah, and... What Are you asking questions, or are you just giving a really quick rundown on what you think you can My offer My name's Rupert
1: Miles, Sandler Training. Uh, we work with small to medium-sized businesses. These are the kind of things that they struggle with, they're not getting enough prospects, or they've got a great long pipeline of prospects and they can't close enough deals, or they take forever to close deals and they end up discounting. I'm not sure whether any of that's relevant to you, Carmel, is it? I've got really good salespeople, but
0: yeah, no, that everyone, but, everyone, you everyone would
1: is salespeople. No, no, you would say, uh, no, I'm fine, I've got a sales system that works. But a lot of people in business would go, do you know what? I recognise mm. I recognize the pipeline issue, I recognise that, and then then we'd have a compliment. Which, which bit of it kind of resonated with you?
0: I mean, I, am, I feel like I'm really lucky with the woman I've got working for me, but salespeople, and... They are the lifeblood of your system, if you, of, of your, of your business. Are. If you don't have salespeople, you kind of don't have a business because they you need are. the sales coming in. And they're the hardest people to find, I think. Yep. I mean, they're, they're difficult to interview because um, usually they're quite charming. Yep. And good, they're fairly really good at selling themselves, aren't uh, they?
1: Absolutely. They're very good at selling
0: themselves. <laughs> yeah. They're not always, <laughs> actually. Um, so I think there must be a lot of businesses. And actually, when you start out, I mean, I know when I, I was a wedding photographer and I started yep. to do high volume dance and it was yep. me on the phone mm-hmm. selling yeah. to dance schools. And I don't know that I was um. So Trained style. I was like, no, we're just really good. good Let me let me come and photograph your dance will Be really easy. We were lucky; it was nation. It was a new market, so I kind of got in that way. Um, But yeah, I mean, if if I could have had some training as well for my for my team, I eventually did get uh, sales people, and it would have been Mm -hmm. so much easier.
1: Do you know there's a thing called sales shame? And actually when you interview local business owners, that's the biggest thing that they struggle with. They can't get people to go into sales because it's seen as a kind of a bit kind of not quite the right thing to be in. And so people end up in sales by accident and actually they end up by accident and they don't have a good way of uh, a system of approaching it. And then you get, you know, the performance that you get. So, you know, there's something that we need to...
0: But it is so important in business to have, I think, really ethical salespeople because... I know that we keep customers and we're growing at a really consistent and good rate because we've built relationships and haven't, we haven't stitched anyone up and we haven't yep. over-promised and, and, and things. So it is something I do know some other people in the competition, they've got very high paid salespeople on really high commission and it's sell, sell, sell. But yep. I really, yeah. you know, we keep our customers because we've built the relationship right from that first phone call.
1: Sandra's all about the no, no pressure. As soon as the client's under any kind of pressure, it, it all goes to pot. It's not right. Your your approach is is the right no, approach.
0: No, no, my very approach indeed. my approach is wrong. My approach of getting great salespeople who are charming and lovely is probably well, right. Are. The right <laughs> for you, so. We are going to come back and uh, we're going to take a little break and come back. And Rupert has two very very exciting things um, to present to you. Um, one is worth nine thousand six hundred pounds. Um, we'll be back shortly. We're very lucky to be joined today by the the charming and lovely Rupert Miles, who's talking to us all about training, um, about selling rather, and how the, his company does training for sales. Um, and, and he's kind of saying how we turn it on its head a little bit and, um, and, and just do it slightly differently to how we've been taught. But what is amazing is he's got two very exciting things to tell us about. First of all, you're giving away a scholarship, aren't you, Rupert?
1: Yeah, it's uh, something that's close to my heart. I mentioned uh, at the start of the show that I spent uh, a long while at the Guardian newspaper and I was lucky enough to have two female bosses and they were the people who first opened my eyes to the fact that sales didn't need to be this adversarial thing and that's now what I'm trying to teach. So uh, in kind of recognition of International Women's Day, which is uh, in March, uh, I thought I'm going to give away a scholarship and that scholarship is to a year's training. It's worth £9,600, so you now know how much I charge. It's pretty good, Um, I think. (laughs) And uh, so it's not inexpensive, I accept that. Uh, But uh, somebody in Essex is going to turn up to my class uh, in May and uh, they're going to have a year's worth of training. I decided to concentrate on offering this scholarship to a woman because I think more women should be in sales. It's just a personal ambition of mine.
0: uh, I'm really with you on that. I think this... Um, Carmel Jane Talks Business is generally a platform for women. Yeah. Um, I'm really passionate. The, the catch line to my show and my website is Dream Bigger, Believe Bigger, and Make a Difference. Yes. Because I believe if if more women grow bigger businesses, employ more people, and we can say, the Mary Porter's book, Work Like a Woman, it doesn't yeah. have to be this very patriarchal, or very masculine um, kind of environment. Absolutely. We can actually work in a really kind and collaborative way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, working with women and meeting so many women there is a confidence lack with so many so many women and and just the belief in themselves and the confidence to go out and sell so i absolutely love this that you're doing something that's really really going to help help you know a woman out there really grow and who knows what she can go on and and spread and help help other people grow
1: oh absolutely i i mean i'm lucky that in my class is now uh, I've got about 40% women, so actually I've got a number of women, but I'd like the balance to be 50. Maybe maybe it will be over time, mm-hmm. but I think with International Women's Day, getting the gender balance is right. And I think in business, there's all sorts of hurdles that are, you know, frankly, to a bloke, they're not as visible. Um, but I was lucky to be in a matriarchal company for 10 years, so I kind of know the value Of that kind of nurturing Mm -hmm. environment and there's no reason why you shouldn't be as a salesperson a male or female a nurturing person and it just so happens the Sandler approach is exactly in line with that belief so I think it worked really well it's a way of promoting my business you and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have connected otherwise for this show without that so I'm completely disarmingly honest (laughs) on that Uh, but if it can spread the word a bit more and actually get more people involved in this and as a result just have a happier um, working life and actually life over Overall, then that, that works for me with my sense of purpose. We,
0: we, we didn't actually go, how did you end up with Sandler Training?
1: okay. So I was running a company, quite a big company, it's a multi-million pound turnover, employed about 250 people, um, and it was a joint venture between two large publishing companies. And um, one day I was dragged in by the shareholders, so invited him for a <laughs> meeting and uh, they completely floored me because they said, we can't agree the renewal of the joint venture. So I thought, well, that's fine, I'll go and find somebody else to own the company. Mm. They said, no, we're going to close the company, there's no option, we've decided to close it. So I had to spend. Uh, 13 months, well, first of all, I had to tell 250-odd people that they were going to get out of work. But I had to spend 13 months closing the company, which is an interesting challenge in its own right. Mm. Uh, but it actually went really well. Everyone got a job. It's all 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 good in the end. You some stressful moments, but a little bit like flying a jumbo jet across the Atlantic. You have stressful moments, and then you had a lot of boredom in between. So in the boring bits, I thought, what's my icky kai? My ikikai, mm. which is sense of purpose, yes, fulfillment, yeah. okay? You know, what do I love doing? What what do I think I'm quite good at? And what does the world need and how can I make money doing it? And it came up with, do you know what? I've been around sales all my life. I do have strong opinions about how sales should be. Actually, do you know that's what I'm gonna do? So I found Sandra as a franchise, because it fitted exactly Exactly.
0: and the idea of teaching people and sales has got that kind of stigma but actually you're wanting sales Uh can be a kinder more collaborative more gentle way of doing things
1: totally I, if you ever turned up to my class, and, and actually I've got a, I've got a briefing session coming up on uh, the twenty sixth of March. If anybody wants to have a couple of hours' experience of what it's like to be in a class, and I can say when
0: my team did go, and she yeah. said it was very,
1: very good. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, so, if anyone's interested through the website or whatever, please connect. Twenty sixth of
0: March, taste the session, in St. Chelmsford. Taste
1: the session, Chelmsford Museum, nine till eleven. You can just come and experience some of this and uh, get a flavour for it.
0: So all the details will be on Phoenix FM, um, where you can get through to, uh, to Rupert. But this is, a, this is a big prize you're giving away, nine and £9, a half thousand pounds worth of sales training for a whole year, so quite a big commitment you're expecting from someone else as well. Yeah,
1: so, there, so when I talk to prospects of mine who uh-huh. could become clients, yeah, it's quite important that they're qualified, they've got the money and the um, willingness to spend the money. Um, but actually the more important one is the commitment because it is a commitment to time, but actually my class only works if everybody is really involved. If I've got people who kind of vaguely guess it, but don't really kind of engage, then it can all fall apart. So actually getting that, Understanding of their commitment first is actually the most important thing. And in terms of applying for this scholarship, what I'm asking people to do is to email me with 500 words which just explain where they're coming from. There's no, there's no kind of experience required. It's just you want to do well in sales and you can be at the beginning of your career, middle of your career, towards the end of your career. It doesn't matter. But if I get somebody who's really committed, they help the class and they interact and then that's the return to me. That's, that's what helps me.
0: It's what you're saying about classes. I mean, yoga classes, business masterminds. Yes. And actually when you put people in a room that have got a common goal, yeah. you always end up with more than the sum of your parts, don't you?
1: Do you know, I take a back seat. I probably talk maybe 30 or 40% of the time maximum in any given class. It's just class takes over. Wow. And the more they the more they talk to each other about it, you know the best way to learn something mm-hmm. is to teach it. Well, you know, they're, they're in and they're kind they're of, teaching. I'm trying to control <laughs> the kind of uh, feedback loop, but they love it. Text but you, you're just the facilitator,
0: day. that's amazing. Yeah, you, you,
1: you end up large pass of it, yeah.
0: You wouldn't think sales training would be like that, I no, think. No, Absolutely. Oh, brilliant. So, how many in your classes?
1: Uh, so, at the moment, I'm training 15 people uh, altogether. I started in September. It's kind of growing at about two a month, something like that, slightly more than that, two or three a month. So, it's gradually And of how expanding. often do people meet up? It's weekly.
0: That is a big commitment.
1: Huge, huge commitment. And actually, good value. Paying, yeah. If the people
0: are paying their money, they're getting a lot oh, out of. Oh, the return
1: it. is I always say to people that you should be able to quantify you know, the annual return within a month. So whatever it costs you for a year, you'll get it back within a month. Amazing. At least.
0: Our time's Mm -hmm. nearly up. Ah, Um, it What is the, uh, it's been wonderful having you in. That's really, really good. Can you just tell us that opening gambit? if you're doing a cold call, I think the biggest takeaway for people, apart from entering the competition, which is amazing, (laughs) um, how how do they start that call? Okay, all
1: right. Think of how can you be genuine about why you're calling? You're calling actually to have a conversation right you don't know the person they don't know you just face it up right at the beginning and you can do it whichever way you want I, the way I do it is just say it's a cold call but you could say listen I've called you and this is what it's about and actually and we're going to do you just do whatever's comfortable to you just- but whatever it is make sure it is genuine and honest and if you do that everyone and you make it time limited I'm only going to take your time for 30 seconds make it time limited and given them the out if they want it, they will say yes.
0: They will say Every yes and listen time. to you. It has been wonderful having you and Rupert. We could listen to you for even longer and find out the sale tips. We've got Emma Good coming up after the news. Thank you so much. And remember that all the details, um, how you can enter Rupert's competition, how you can go on his taste session, or how you can find out more about sales, will be on the Phoenix FM website. Thanks for Thank Rupert. you, Carmel.
1: It's been a joy. Thank you.
0: Break in the podcast for me to shout about the fact that I'm going to be on the wedding and portrait stage at the photography show on Monday, the 18th of March. The photography show is the must go to event for anyone who's interested in photography and video. It's huge, it's four days, and you'll learn loads. I'm going to be there talking about the art of high-volume headshots. So if you're interested in how to photograph people, how to make beautiful portraits, come along and see me, 12 noon, on the Wedding and Portrait stage. Back to the podcast. (music) my name's carmel jane and we are here on phoenix fm with the carmel jane talks business show every wednesday from one to three and we've just had the wonderful rupert miles and talking all about how to be better at selling and now we have emma good from 24 fingers who's an all-round bit of a social media guru every week i learn something that she's got to tell us and so to tie in with what rupert was saying um we're looking a little bit about how we can sell on social media welcome emma hi Carmel. great to be here again Excellent. So um, the, the whole social media revolution, um, how, how can we make it easier for people to buy on, on social media?
2: I think that's the key. Make it easy for people to buy your products and services. So um, current stat views, 74% of consumers are saying that they rely on social for information to help them buy products. You've just got to make it really easy, and there's a few ways that we can look at that today. And I think the first top tip is use your platform wisely and really get the best out of how to sell on that platform. Each one offers different options. So what about Facebook? Okay, so Facebook offer a couple. Um, Facebook Marketplace and Facebook Catalog. So I'm just thinking if we've got any local businesses here that have got an e-commerce website, they could be a fashion brand or an interiors brand, for example. What Facebook catalogue does is it allows you to link the products on your website to your Facebook page so that you can sell the same items, which is kind of cool. Okay.
0: I think I need some more clarification on this, so how does this work?
2: So, um, Facebook catalogue is literally an inventory, it's a store that's linked to your Facebook page, so somebody can visit your website. And then they can go onto your Facebook page and see the same items and buy directly from the link on your Facebook page. So it's a double
0: whammy. So it's just the the website address from your web store and you put it on Facebook?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: So you, you've got a range of products. Um,
2: so whatever products you're listing on your e-commerce website can also be listed and linked to your Facebook page. And what that does is that allows you to retarget. So if somebody's gone to your website and not bought the product, perhaps they haven't completed the checkout process. The next time they can go on Facebook, you can show them that product again through Facebook. That's
0: retargeting. Uh, where do we start with that that sounds really interesting and really fantastic so they've someone's gone on the website they've looked at you know they want to buy a new dress because you're selling dresses yeah. how do we then when they're on your face on when they're on facebook how do we remarket to them okay so um use the facebook pixel so a little piece of code nothing too techy. nothing
2: to get scared about download that piece of code from facebook load it onto your website so you can track visitors by their cookies by their ip address Next time they go gone Facebook, Facebook will recognise that they've already been to your website. They'll know what page, what product they've visited, and then they'll show them the ad. It's not stalky, I promise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a bit of technological wizardry. Um, I kind of know about pixels, actually, and one of my team, I'm gonna get her to talk to you because she's put the pixels on, but I'm not fully sure how we use them. Um, but that sounds really I mean, for us we sell the photos, so maybe it's slightly separate because it's your own gallery. But if you're selling real consumer-to-consumer stuff, this must be amazing. I mean, we all know, you know, if you look at it, sofa on um, DFS or whatever and then sofas keep popping up yep. and as this is the same technology. That's exactly the same
2: technology. So, on average, people need to see something seven times before they'll buy. So, retargeting is
0: a great way of reinforcing your product and your brand. And this is a pretty easy way because, I mean, hopefully there's listeners out there, with, uh, I, think, I guess there's probably a lot of smaller businesses who are really trying to grow and this is an easy way, isn't it, for them to do their marketing that's not costing fortunes and, 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 and the other way. So, this is super easy. So, they Google up about pixels. They might even Google up Emma Good at 24 fingers if they want to find out more. Um, but that sounds like a huge tool that people can use.
2: Definitely, and retargeting from a cost per click point of view, which is what it's all about nowadays, retargeting is one of the most cost effective ways of targeting a customer. They already know you, they've already seen your brand, they've already expressed an interest. So what you'll find is that
0: they're more likely to convert as a real life customer too. Brilliant, brilliant. <coughs> and. Um, so Facebook's pretty good, look out for the pixels, learn a bit more about that. I sound I have no idea what I'm talking about. I actually don't really, I'll leave it to the experts. Um, and then we've got Instagram. So I'm a bit of a sucker actually for the ads that come up and they usually have really cool videos with them and they sell me a product that looks amazing. I bought some camera stuff, I bought my range of handbags now, especially designed by a woman and it's got lots of little pockets and pockets and pouches for me. And, and that was an Instagram purchase, which I would never have come across just to know i love the handbags but i do get all my bits lost and they <laughs> all the different the packages the pouches and the sections uh, for women but so i find instagram actually and i'm not really the target market for instagram but i do use it to buy things definitely so because facebook and instagram
2: are linked all the technology that we've just discussed on facebook can also be used on insta as well so we're seeing that 60 percent of of users on Instagram discover products they want to buy. That's
0: 600 million people. That's crazy. So are they discovering it because of, we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about influencers, so they're seeing it pop up in someone else's feed, or is this the paid for advertising when you get this cool kind of ad coming through?
2: So it can be a mixture. It can be via hashtag. So if, for example, you want to hashtag handbags, that will come up in your feed it could be through
0: influencer marketing do you know what i put all my hashtags on the instagram i only search through hashtags okay. is it something that people do definitely um that way you can curate,
2: curate your own feed to what you're interested in so it could be fashion it could be lifestyle it could be beauty search
0: by hashtags and you'll get inspiration which is great for a friday when you want to buy something for the weekend actually i just sort of inspiration so photographically too i should be making yeah. the most of that and, and finding things okay so they're, they're finding them through hashtags finding them through the paid for mm-hmm. advertising so, and through influencers exactly and um we'll come on to it in a minute but most
2: um consumers will often tag the products they're wearing nowadays if they're kind of a lifestyle or fashion blogger. so that's another great way of seeing something that looks good on somebody else and thinking actually
0: i'd like that handbag or i'd like that top and actually people are doing that and they don't have to be a million no, follower. No, like no, they no, might be a not. thousand followers and they're still doing that. So you can find yep. them. Wow, that's fantastic. And and there's Instagram stories, which makes me feel like a granny because um, I'm not sure. <laughs> Apparently they're really big. There's the Instagram stories at the top of the Instagram feed and you click on and it's, how long is it? 10 Tw- seconds? 24, right. Well, they last for 24
2: hours. So you, yep um you basically put up a picture or a video you tag it with um, a hashtag or a location or um, a little additional extra they won't last forever 24 hours they'll stay on your instagram story but you know more than 400 million users are watching stories every month so if you're a brand stories is a great
0: way of doing something very quick fire it's not going to last forever but can be a great way of doing real-life action. I was was reading today, actually, that I was reading an article about millennials in social media, is they really like the authenticity of stories, because it's not going to be on social media forever on the internet forever because it's 24 hours people it's a little bit more raw it's a bit more real and being authentic is so important to sort of the under 40s isn't it definitely and i
2: think with instagram stories it can be a great way for a small business to announce maybe a launch or a live event or something that's happening right there right now it gives it a sense of urgency when you put up a story people think oh
0: you've got something new to talk about that's exciting one of my team does it. Shout out to Claire because there's no way I would do it. And you put all little bits and things on it and make it look really cute. Um, get someone young in your team that know what they're doing, is my advice. But yeah, the story's an interesting one. I'm not quite there with it, but it is, it is, it's a really, it's a, this kind of Snapchat generation, isn't it? Yeah. Where people want something instant. They like the idea that's not going to last forever. Um, we've been talking too much, Emma. I'm loving this. I I've do learn something it. new every time. We're going to have a break and then we'll be back with more top tips from Emma. But it's Carmel Jane here on Carmel Jane Talks Business. And we have the wonderful Emma Good in the studio from 24 Fingers. She's a bit of a social media guru. And um, in line with my, my first guest was talking about sales, we're talking about how you can sell on social media. And we've looked at Facebook and Instagram and Instagram stories, there's loads of great stuff there. But actually, sales doesn't always have to be direct selling can it does it It can be sort of an educate educate and engage isn't it
2: definitely I think we've probably moved away from the hard sell approach of the uh, 80s now we're online it's all about educating engaging giving value I think that's really really key
0: oh we are a little bit feedback here I'm not sure if you're hearing that out out on the radio sorry if you are Um. so and When you're making the content, what do we need to sort of concentrate on? Stories,
2: Um, telling stories, be your brand. So talk about how your company was formed, the journey you've had along the way, the successes, the challenges, people will really engage on that. And once they feel they know you more, they'll be more inclined to buy from you for sure, if you're a service-led brand. If you're a product-led brand, make your product look brilliant. And, you know, we've spoken many times about the value of great photography. Great photography is absolutely key
0: um, when it comes to products and lifestyle brands. Yeah, I think it's really interesting about the stories. I know a lot of the business to business stuff, again, it's a service, especially things like coaching. Showing a bit of vulnerability is, we're seeing a lot of that now, aren't we? People being, this is me, and actually funny enough, um, that's what Rupert was talking about, being very authentic and very honest. Um, And and with the brands telling the story, I've had a few fantastic women on who have got a really cool story, and people have engaged Davina, Davina Steele with her bread, Laura with her, her, um, her baby products, and people want that story, don't they?
2: Definitely. People want to feel, ah, oh, you know, if they can do it, I can do it too. When you engage with a story, you can see how that person has overcome challenges and you have to think, oh, you know, I'm going to have a go at that. It, it's very inspirational. So yeah, I highly recommend making a story out of your brand. And if you can't think of the story, you know, employ an expert, a brand consultant to get those, untapped stories that you know but you're not quite sure how to get that out on social
0: brilliant and another another way of, of not selling but kind of indirectly selling is reviews aren't they they are so important
2: yeah so 84 percent of consumers trust online reviews so if you don't have a lot of reviews right now ask your customers for them give some back in exchange for a review and my top tip don't be afraid to respond to negative reviews even uh, a bad review needs a response and actually consumers will see that you take the time to
0: care and sort out any problems if, that might arise. Um, we, we photograph about 100,000 children a year. So um, we have had a couple, I think. We're still a Google rating or, and Facebook's about 4.9. So we're not too bad, but occasionally we do get people write reviews that are just like, you kind of think, I think you're having a bad day. Yeah. you know. <laughs> Um, and because if actually if it was a genuine complaint, we've dealt with it and it's fine. But I always take a deep breath and reply to it. And so if anyone does see my reply, they'll go, "Oh, okay, maybe there's two sides to these stories." But don't ignore negative reviews. And actually, a couple of times had negative reviews. I've got on the phone and they've taken the review down because actually it's often a complaint about customer services that if we've done something wrong, we haven't. Someone along the line hasn't really fixed it. We don't get many bad reviews, I'll say. Um, and another thing with the reviews, which I only found out fairly recently, is if someone to get a Google review they need a Google yeah. Mail account so if, if someone's emailed you from a Gmail account get straight on it for Google reviews if they haven't got a Google Mail account you're probably better off asking for a Facebook review because actually it, you know it's a bit sticky they've got to kind of make no one's going to make a Google Mail account to give you a review but they'll be straight on Facebook so that's if it's a, if it's a, if it's a Google Mail or Gmail get straight on and ask them for a review definitely
2: and reviews are only going to become more important in terms of SEO value as well so definitely get a review strategy in place whether it's Trustpilot whether it's Google my business or whether it's Facebook how does the SEO work so um, one of the factors and the values that Google rank you against is the amount of positive reviews that you have that will affect your SEO ranking too
0: and on what play is it on Google review obviously
2: um, yeah and it'll also take in social proof as well so what people are saying about you on Facebook and other social media sites as well there's no excuse <laughs>
0: i know it's part of our lives but sometimes you make it sound a little bit scary emma mm-hmm. um but yeah we've got to make the most of it but I, we're kind of facebook and google um but yeah they have got to have that google but i, I didn't realize it was part of the algorithms as well so super super important um and that's social proof people do love a recommendation don't they Definitely. So um, don't be afraid to
2: reference your success in your posts. So if you're paying to promote an ad on Facebook, for example, do a headline like, you know, 89% of users recommend us or we've got a 4.9 Google average review rating and people love to know other people
0: like you. So don't be afraid to uh, talk about your successes. Brilliant. Well, as usual, Emma has given us loads of top tips. What's our top tip takeaway today, Emma? My top
2: tip for sales would be to set goals. Just like Rupert said, look at your pipeline as where well, on social media and review the data. So a good friend of mine always says likes a vanity but clicks a sanity. Clicks tell you if you're doing it right, how much it will cost you to get a customer and what to do more of and what to do less of. Review,
0: review, review, review. Social media is free, but it's not easy, is it? There's a whole whole world out there of things we can do better. Thanks again, Emma. Thank you You so much for coming in. We will see you next week. We're going to take a little break now, and we're back with some fabulous music. Bit of royal blood to keep you going on a wet and windy Wednesday afternoon. I love that track, 10 tonne skeleton. Well, I thought my interviews were over. And Emma Good, who's been talking to us all about social media, has actually had a work experience person with her and Welcome, Oliver.
3: Hello, thank you for having
0: oh, me. Oh, thank you, you're very polite. Oliver um, has been here every week for the last four weeks, sitting very, very quietly in the corner, taking it all in. And, and as he left today, he thanked me for some of the stuff he's learning. But but why, why have you been with Emma for the last four weeks, Oliver?
3: Um, Um, I've been doing work experience to gain an insight on what I want to be doing next year.
0: So, and where are you studying?
3: Uh, In South Essex College. South Essex College. And are you
0: you at the Peter Jones Academy?
3: Peter Jones Enterprise Academy, yeah.
0: Yes. Do you want to be an entrepreneur when you grow up?
3: Entrepreneurship, of course, (laughs) yeah. It's the way forward.
0: Have have you learned anything from our show? Uh,
3: I've learned a lot of stuff.
0: Oh good, God! he's been terribly polite. Lovely, lovely boy, Oliver. So um, so, what's, so this is your last week, what's, what's gonna happen next week? You're back to college. Back to
3: college, uh, back to uh, back to work, basically, yeah.
0: So and um, what have you been learning with Emma for the last four weeks?
3: Um, it'd be easy to say what I haven't been learning. I'll be honest, uh, a tonne of things, lots of different aspects of business. Uh, she taught me a lot about her own business, how she did works with clients, how she, a lot of social media fa- fa- facts, figures, uh, how she implements a lot of stuff and tons, honestly, tons of stuff. We've done things from um, client meetings to reports to brand brand openings to radio. So it's been. So
0: you, you got lucky with the work experience, yeah. didn't you? Someone and um, and Emma is master networker, isn't it? You probably oh, see, she's out yeah. and about. Um, I don't think she's been with that long. I'm pretty sure she knows more people than me now. We seem to have all the same friends lists and things. So I'm sure you've learned so much. So I do think entrepreneurial is putting yourself out there. And I think, mm. you know, you've learned all sorts of really, you know, stuff you can take away, but I think that networking must be fantastic. Mm. So so what's next, you're back to college. Have you, have you decided on a university yet?
3: I don't think I'll be going to university. Ah, I feel as if uh, university is for real specialist subjects. So of course, if you want to be a doctor, say, you need to go there. But for entrepreneurship, I feel like it's best just to get stuck in. And these are some very important years. I feel like these years are worth double. You know, they're like double as important as any other years in your life, especially if you, if you want to start a business and things like that.
0: Go, Oliver. I love that. Thank I love you. that too, Thank I you. think, and, and get out there amongst it. So have you got a, have you got a secret good idea that you're going to entrepreneur out when you finish college or you're just going to start learning from other people?
3: Um, well, I, I've, I've had my own business twice now. I've opened two <laughs> different businesses. Uh, He's 18,
0: uh, if you're listening. He's only 18.
3: They, uh, both of them didn't succeed, but you know, oh. they taught me a lot. They taught me a lot. Uh, one of them one of them just um, plateaued. I was doing uh, Shopify e-commerce. Okay. Tried that for a while. And I liked it, I did like it, but I didn't like that uh, it's too inconsistent for me. So one day I can have a, quite a few sales, the next I could go a week without not having any sales. And I
0: think you had to take away you did it and actually I know with my business I've tried a lot of things that have failed and you sometimes just have to keep trying and get the stuff that works because I think especially you know, you've know, you been involved with Emma and the social media everyone's very shiny and happy and everything's perfect mm-hmm. but actually you've probably seen behind the scenes enough yeah, to know that actually it takes a lot of hard work and not mm-hmm. everything works quite as well as, as you'd hoped well thank you Oliver all the best lovely to have you in you're speaking you. very well on the radio especially seeing as we kind of sprung the on <laughs> a, a few minutes ago so all the best get out there um, and learn as much as you can and, and go forth and be a wonderful entrepreneur thank you so much cheers for having me brilliant thank you <laughs> Ooh, another showdown. so much fun huge thank you to Rupert I'm sure that was really really interesting big thank you to Emma for all her top tips on how to start selling on social media as well please remember go to Rupert's website and, uh, and enter the competition it's an incredible prize also rate review and subscribe if you shout about us and share us more people will be able to listen in and get top tips and advice on how to improve their business also we're on linkedin and facebook and instagram and twitter so we're carmel jane or carmel jane talks business across those platforms see you next week